Kids. You can't be serious. 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 The podcast. Hello, everyone. Ace here. Arrow here. And this is You Can't Be Serious. I keep wanting to say we can't be serious. Is but we're always serious. Which one? We're the most. It's you What's, can't be serious. Is it you can't? Okay. It's you can't, I can't be serious. Remember. Because it's you <laughs> who are not serious. We are always the epitome of seriousness and class and grace. Very, very clearly. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> As we sit here in our underwear, hanging out. We're actually not in Dr- our underwear. Like, like drinking our beers. Be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've got two philosophical not F-ups, which is just going to be the name of this segment now because we never F-up. That's what should be said. never F-up. <laughs> but, so our, our two not F-ups from last episode, they're basically the same thing. Number one. Tuberculosis is indeed consumption. That was you. So yeah. Ace is for Ace. Yeah. Um, and then we were we were wondering what syphilis was called euphemistically. Yeah. The French disease. The French. The disease. French disease. Ooh la la. I know. So French. I was like, that's oh. such a slight against French. <laughs> it's basically calling French people like sluts. <laughs> I, I think that's exactly what it is. But I, you know, I think that's what it's doing. Syphilis has been at an all-time high for old people. Oh, I know. AIDS, too. Yeah. yeah. Because they just don't want to use as contraceptives. A Florida, as, as a Floridian who lives with it, well, my parents live within an hour of the villages, I'm extremely aware of this. Yes. You, you know about the villages. I do, yeah. yes. Yeah. We should we should start calling it, instead of the French disease, like the old Floridian's disease. Oh, my gosh. The, uh, the Palm Beach disease. The Palm Beach disease. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's because they're like, whatever, these things are survivable for 10 years, right? Yeah. Not going to last that long. Yeah, and it's Party like, on. we don't have to worry about getting pregnant. Exactly, yeah. So they're like, are like screw condoms. Anyway, <laughs> old people You should sex. always use condoms, You guys. always should. Public you really should. Yeah. Please, please, it, go watch five seasons of Queer as Folk, because unrelated, it's amazing. It's and it will drill into your brains, like, use condoms all the time. Please use condoms, everyone. Yes. And that's been my and, PSA. Yeah, make sure you use them correctly and, yeah, and be smart. Be yeah. safe. Use condoms. Get All tested. Right. We're, now we're going to get rated explicit because, like, we were, like, pro-contraceptive use. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Anscombe would be really upset about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So to tie it back into philosophy. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> Hey, you know what? The darn Romans uh, mind that or mind that's how you raise plants, harvested that one plant to, like, extinction because it was... So, you've heard of this, right? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. you have. They had it on their coins. You haven't heard of this? No. <gasps> so there's this contraceptive plant that existed. It was basically a morning-after pill. Okay. As far as I understand it. Okay. Um, and philosophical F-ups. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as I understand it, it essentially worked as a morning-after pill. Okay. And the Greeks and the Romans used this plant so much, they drove it extinct. And they even, this is where we get the shape of a heart from. I thought it was from a female butt. Nope. It was, this plant looked like a heart. Like, it was like two pea pods or something. So, like, it looked like that heart shape. And then the Romans also thought it was kind of testicularly shaped. Appropriately. Like, if you flip it. Flip it. Yeah. 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 There you go. (laughs) You can't see. We're flipping our our hands up and down. (laughs) Trying to, like, form, like, contraceptive plant slash balls. Right. So, like, they were like, oh, it makes sense. This plant looks like balls and it's a contraceptive and all this stuff. And uh, they used it so much that this plant now no longer exists on the planet Earth. Like, so when it comes to, like, anti-contraceptive use or whatever, it's 
like, contraceptives aren't a modern thing, okay? Oh, no. <laughs> this isn't, like, the ills of the modern age overtaking no, no. us. I like, mean, they used to use, I've heard, like, lemon juice, everything you can tortoise think Tortoiseshells. Yeah, I've heard, like, yeah, a sheepskin. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, crocodile dung was the really? Egyptians. Uh, yeah, I heard something about that. Yep. I didn't know specifically crocodile dung. I know dung. a lot about the history of sex. Me too. <laughs> well, it's, it's like my side hobby. I think it's just from being on Tumblr. Like, you get these posts where they're, like, you know, ranty feminist posts, and I mean that with all the love. <laughs> but it's I like, mean, you I know, write those kind of things. Right, so. exactly. <laughs> so do I. So it's like, you know, ranty feminist posts about like history of contraceptives and sex and all this other stuff. So, yeah. yeah I mean, that thing, it's really something that's quite uh, important to humans. So, right, and life on Earth. So yeah. it's not something, it's not something well, it's important to, to know about it. To women's health and not dying since until, you that know, is true. Yeah. The past like 20 years. And even recently, like, there's been a lot of problems with women in pregnancy and health and all this stuff. So. That's true. Did you hear about the Ebola doctor? No. Woman? Yeah, this was a whole thing. It just happened. So she was like literally like the face of like the Time Magazine like thing of like, or one of them, of like the fight against Ebola. Yeah, I remember She that. just died in childbirth. She died in childbirth? Yep. Because, like, and I think it specifically had something to do with, like, people being, like, afraid of contracting Ebola from her, and so she didn't get, like, adequate medical care or, like, some BS. Well... Yeah, I, I could be, this will be philosophical F-ups again, but, because I only skimmed the story, because I'm yeah. trying to be, my Lent thing is to not, like, mindlessly click around on the internet. That's a great <laughs> thing to give up for Lent. It's very difficult. It's very, this morning, in fact, I broke it, because I, I was talking to a um, comic book writer, I'll tell you about who it was afterwards, because I don't want to totally out myself <laughs> um, as, like, what my online persona is, but I was talking to a particular comic book writer, and he replied, and we had, like, a back and forth. And this morning, I was like, well, I'm just going to check his feed and see what he's seen since then. 30 minutes later, I had just gone through his feed for, like, the month through, like, the new year, basically. And it was like, that's, no, bad, bad. That's bad internet habits. You were just messing around for no reason sort of thing. But I'm not even Catholic, and I want to I wanna give that up for Lynch. Because that seems like... I've become, I've, like, given myself, and I say this seriously, right, I say this seriously, like, I've given myself ADD, because, it, like, it's, like, popcorn brain syndrome is what they call it. It's true. Because, like, I can't, I can't type for more than, like, a minute before I flip back and check something. I do that, too, and I'll flip between articles. Right. Like, I'll read them all, but I'll right. read them, you know, uh-huh. like you said, like a popcorn. It's, it's, pop, it's pop, the pop, worst, pop, pop, and pop, I've pop. never, I've never had a focus problem. I've never had an attention problem growing up, and it's yeah. seriously purely because of, like, the way that we use the internet. It's, yeah. it's very bad. Like, For, it's really bad. I need to train myself on I it. actually stopped using, um, at one point, I stopped using the internet on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I would only use it um, the internet from my home computer at night um, or in the morning to check emails or do work. Mm -hmm. And it, I was so much more productive, like not having access to the internet because I never had a smartphone until a few years ago. Yeah. It's so, I didn't, yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have a smartphone until a few years ago either. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's the worst. It's, it's really bad. It, It really ruins your brain basically. Like, so we need to, we need to get better about having better internet habits yeah and, and yeah so yeah that's my wet thing is is don't mindlessly click like don't have those bad like flippy flippy back forth sort of things like you know check your twitter whenever you want to but not every two seconds you know yeah. like like check it every like hour or something it's nothing's gonna happen something might happen but still yeah given the political <laughs> climate we're in right now something could happen right. i'm always surprised you know i missed 
uh, you'll miss a night or something and I'll wake up in the morning and everyone will talk about some political, you know, some, yeah. some new thing we have to worry yeah, about. Yeah, that was, that was a Friday night. Yeah. This weekend. It was yeah. like, I woke up Saturday morning because I was like, okay, we check the internet Friday night and I go to bed so early. I go to yeah. bed at like nine. Yeah, so we're old everything. women. I go to bed really early too. So I miss everything. And Friday specifically, I went to bed at like literally 9.30 and because I had been grading and I was like, nah, I'm done. Go to bed. Yeah. And... I woke up in the morning to like I, I like pull open my phone. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna check Twitter, and you know this will be my check Twitter time. Yes, and I look, and it's literally like 300 tweets since 9:30 the night before, and it was like 6 a.m. Yeah. Like, oh my god. So yeah, so that that's my Lent thing. You can do it with me. Okay. So okay. because it's very like I think it's really important. Like this is a thing I really need to do. It's something I've been and, trying. I yeah. I will not use Facebook on my phone. I know you don't use it, but yeah. I I uh, I will not use it on my phone. I'll try that, and because yeah. that's the one thing like it's so easy to flip through things, right? And uh, it's 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 addictive. It's truly it's really truly addictive. addicting, and I yeah. hate it. I think I'm gonna have to start putting. Um, I think I'm gonna start turning off my Wi-Fi on my computer when I'm, like, writing a paper. That's Or, like, doing... Because, and, like, if I'm reading a paper, I find myself, like, you know, I'll read a page, and then I'm just picking up my phone to check Twitter, and it's like, oh, just read it. Just read the five-page paper. It's five pages. Like, you used to be able to read five pages in a row. Last night, I sat down with a graphic novel. um, Sex Criminals, Volume 3, actually. And, yeah. And I was, like, you know, I always want to read before bed and get some progress done. And I sat down and read, right, I sat down and was like, okay, well, I've I've been meaning to read this since I got it last summer, like, (laughs) so I picked it up, and it was so engaging, and I don't even really, like, I still haven't decided if I like sex criminals or not, it's a whole thing, but, so, (laughs) if you just took that out of context, I haven't decided how I feel about sex criminals. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's like a whole thing, but, like, I'm like, all right, so, so this isn't, like, my favorite graphic novel in the universe or anything, but I sat down and read it, and it was so engaging, I read the whole thing oh. without stopping to ch- And, like, by the time I finished, I had that sensation when you were a kid and, like, you're drunk after you read. You know, that feeling yeah. of, like, being totally immersed. for you. Right. And it was, like, it was the weirdest thing because I haven't had that in so long because I've been so popcorn-y bouncing between different sites and everything. I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, do this more, self. Like, just read something straight through. So, anyway. I printed articles to read for class, and I went to go read them outside, Mm -hmm. and it's so nice. You just sit under a tree and read, and... get it done. Yeah. get it done in five minutes instead of an hour. It's a 20-page paper, and I'm like, how did did I read this so quickly? Normally, this takes me so much longer. Right. Well, because because I'm actually reading it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't realize I was such a fast reader. Yeah. And it's like, I'm like the last thing from a Luddite ever, but like... You need to be yeah. able to use these two tools properly to your maximal benefit and efficiency, and the yeah. way that most of us use them isn't, you know? That's so, true. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm super pro social media. I'm super pro all of these things, but you need to use them right. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay. So, this week, so there's our 10, we're 11 minutes in. <laughs> oh, my God. So, there's our 11-minute rant on how properly to use social media, and you're and all condoms. wrong. And condoms. Um, so, this week, you're going first. Yes, so we are talking this week about how we became philosophy majors or why we decided to go to graduate school. Basically, what made us decide that we want to dedicate our lives to philosophy, something along that vein. Because before, we told you our first encounter with philosophy, so this is sort of like, why are we doing this with our lives? What what 
put us on this path. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going first, so... More like when we gave into the path, for me at least. (laughs) Gave into the temptation of philosophy. Well, no, it was more like C.S. Lewis was clearly the person that set me on this path. Okay. And then my story today will answer when I succumb to the inevitability of it, of, of already having been on this path for the past 20 it's very years of my life. deterministic to me. It was. It, yeah. was it, it felt deterministic to me. So, and that's why I don't do free will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. All right, so my story. So I thought about this, and I, I thought it's a journey. So I'm going to bring you on this journey with me. Um, okay. So basically, when I was 18 years old, I decided that I wanted to be an exchange student. That was something I decided that I was going to do. Uh, I, I knew that I was going to go to college, but I knew that... Because you're way cooler than me and actually, like, dare to go overseas and stuff. Whereas I'm like, how close can I be to my mom and dad? Uh, <laughs> you have gone to, uh, Greece and you've seen... Like, yeah, but that's like, just on vacation. It's yeah. never... I could... I, I get very nervous about living too far away. I'm, I'm kind that's of pathetic sweet, like though, that. That's sweet, though, that you yeah. love your family. <laughs> I mean, I love my family, too. Please don't, please don't think that. Gosh. All right. So, yeah. So I decided that I was going to go and that I told... I went with Rotary Youth Exchange and I said, you know, send me anywhere. Send me to any country. I just want to go abroad and live somewhere and experience the world from a different perspective. And I got Thailand. And I was like, okay, Thailand, cool. I don't really know anything about Thailand. But I went and I lived in Thailand and I had these amazing experiences. And one of the well, the stranger experiences, so everybody knows that I love animals. Uh, we'll probably do some kind of podcast about uh, animal rights or um, consciousness of animals or something like that uh, where we debate those topics. But everybody knows that I love animals. I'm the animal person. I'm like, you know, the bloody, like, Disney princess sitting in the woods. Like, come to me, my animal friend. Yeah, and I'll explain why animals don't have souls. And you know what's well, terrible? I don't think I have a soul either. Well, you, you know what? Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, right? <laughs> so you know what? We all don't have I, I, I saw one of my friends, speaking of my Twitter feed, one of my friends was tweeting about how, like, um, some little kid had was, like, in the store or something. They overheard this and was talking about how, like, their dog, like, this is, like, a five-year-old. Like, oh, yeah, yeah well, my dog doesn't have a soul and looked really sad Aww. because apparently their parents had told them this. And my friend was really pissed off, like... What the hell? The stupid, like, but she was, like, pissed off from, like, an atheistic point of view. Like, stupid religious people. I like that feeling. Like, why would you tell? And I was sitting there, like, from, like, a religious, atheistic yeah. point of view, like, why would you tell your children that? <laughs> like, yeah. like, I agree. That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't tell your kids, like, that, you don't have to go into the in-depthness of who has souls and who gets into heaven and who doesn't when your kid's five, for goodness sakes. Well, yeah, like, have some decent... I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell, like, I don't think that animals have souls, and as much yeah. as I, like, love my dogs and, like, daydream about a heaven where, like, I'm reunited with, like, all of my past dogs and everything, like, that would be just wonderful and I would cry about that forever. Like, reasonably, I know I can't expect that because of, like, my various religious beliefs and everything. Yeah. But I wouldn't tell my five-year-old that. You tell your damn kid that they're going to see, like, Fluffy in heaven, okay? Jeez yeah. Louise, what jerks. Anyway, we will do an episode on that. It'll be great. Okay, so. we should do an episode on, well, I don't know if... Maybe I mean, that'll be on next one. We could do consciousness. Okay. So, kind of ease us into the animals issue. Okay, and, yeah. 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 I think that's an interesting one. So, yeah. let's do that. All right. So, anyway, mm-hmm. I'm, you know... Like Snow White here, sitting in the in the in the bloody forest, like you know, loving animals. Everybody knows that. So my host family, my lovely host family, said that they were going to uh, set me up 
so I could volunteer at an animal hospital, and it was really great. I got to help do perform surgery on on dogs, you know. So any, if any of you are looking for a surgeon, I can perform surgery. I also helped on human surgeries too at a different hospital. That's an unrelated thing. Get back to my you holy. Know, sh- that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, well, it's because I was living in Thailand as this foreigner, and I could help with translations and things like that. Oh, and so and they were like, yeah, sure, oh, you want to so help you us? With- you weren't like cutting into people, or did you? Um, with, with the, with the dogs, I wasn't actually cutting, but I was helping them hold things and Ooh, instruments and things. Then they're like, here, you want to hold like his heart? And so I held like the heart. Oh my gosh. Cool. And then with the humans, um, they were just, they were doing, um, sort of charity, uh, I guess surgeries where they were removing extra digits and fixing clep palates and things mm, like that. Yeah. So, um, they actually removed an extra digit from somebody and the doctor turns to me and hands me the finger oh. and says, do you want it on a necklace? <laughs> and it's just like, I'm, I'm not a squeamish person at all. So I thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this, it's not no, like that's super yeah. cool. Yeah. It was really, yeah. so mm-hmm. if, if you ever wonder what kind of person I am, <laughs> and I said, yes, I would love this. One. <laughs> but I didn't, he didn't put it on a necklace for me. So, you know, disappointment. Well, it would rot. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know, the bone would stay. That's that's one thing in Thailand, too. Sometimes you would go to these, um, I guess you'd call them, like, temples. Um, wats is what they call them in, in, in mm. Thai wat, a Thai wat. And you would go there, and you could see, like, Buddha's pinky finger. Oh, well, we do that. Oh, you do that, too? Catholics do that. Okay. That I've was seen, really interesting. I've seen St. Stephen's, St. Istvan. It's the, it's um, Hungarian, not, it's the Hungarian St. Stephen, not the other St. Stephen. There's a couple. Um, oh, so yeah. Saint I'm Istvan. glad you clarified that because I would have been confused. Yeah, I've seen his hand. and Well, we've got an entire Pope literally lying there in his coffin. Because it's I've a, heard of this. Yeah, it's yeah. in, in, in St. Uh, Peter's. I Oh my gosh, I'm going to get it wrong. I think it's Leo the Tenth. Okay. I'm probably totally wrong on that. Uh, well, well, because like well, well, we, we'll never, we never F up. It's probably right. right. I... I no, or is it because it was John Paul? So maybe no. So it must be it must be like John the sixteenth or something. They're all like, like that. John or Leo or Paul. Anyway, or... because it was before John Paul the first. Basically, it was what it was, and there and John, John Paul the first got his name because the prior popes were John and Paul. So it was one of those guys. But yeah, no, we got a whole pope sitting in uh in the in the sixth. Not the Basilica, in St. Peter's. I feel like that's a little bit less strange to see the whole body versus, like... Yeah, but he hasn't decomposed. Oh, because they They embalmed him? No, he just didn't decompose. It's a miracle. That's why he's sitting out. I see. Yeah. Okay. It's a miracle. It's... Yes. (laughs) Yes. No, that's... that. that, Like, they're not just... This isn't just standard practice just to leave popes out. Like, we had buried him. And then, like, a nun had a vision, and they checked, and, like, he wasn't decomposing. So, like, they brought him back out, and now, like, we get to go, like, pray at him and stuff. Catholicism is so interesting. Like, I'm always learning new things. <laughs> like, I loved watching Jesus Christ Superstar. So, we do, I thought of you today in church, because we were doing the sacrament and the body and blood, and I'm like, Ace, I would recognize this part. I would. I would be like, this is the I Eucharist. Damn. I'm, I'll, I'll believe that. <laughs> Ace would be so excited. <laughs> All right, so yeah, my story. So yeah, I really, I really love animals. That's that's the gist of this. Uh, yeah. Ace loves animals. So um, there was this one dog that I sort of fell in love with, and the dog's name was Lucky. And uh, Lucky did not; his owners had abandoned him at the hospital, and he was left there in a cage for hours a day. So after school, I would come by every day right. to play with Lucky to give him love. And um, eventually, uh, one day Lucky was missing, and I said, "Well, what happened to Lucky?" 
And uh, there's this really cool lady. She was the owner of a restaurant, and she was bringing food by for the dogs. And she's like, oh, yeah, they brought him to, like, this monk. So he's going to be living with this cool. monk who takes care of stray dogs. I was like, oh, that's really awesome. And she said, do you want to meet him? And I said, yes. So I, I took a tuk-tuk, which is sort of like a... a a tuk 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 a tuk tuk okay. I took a, a tuk tuk okay a tuk tuk is so it's usually a motorcycle and it has sort of a structure built around it to carry passengers so it's like motorcycle taxi oh, cab right okay yeah. yeah they have them in India and in Thailand yeah. and probably other places I think in Nepal they have them right. I went to Nepal it's like a motorized yeah. version of like those like hand carriages yes yeah. yes it's it's like a rickshaw but rickshaw that's yeah. It. yeah it's like a, it's like a car rickshaw. Um, cool. so they're really, they're really nice. Um, so we took that and, um, I went to see the monk. The monk was this really super cool guy mm-hmm. and we became really good friends and, uh, he intru- like, he introduced me to his daughter and, uh, because if, in, in case you're wondering, um, a lot of times in Thailand people will become monks later on so you don't have to be celibate or anything like that. Well, you are the we monk, do you that do. Too. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, you can actually become a priest, like, later in life, like, oh, okay. after having kids and stuff. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought you had to, like, commit to it before you yeah. had any sort of intercourse Gen- No, generally okay. it's, like, um, if you're, like, a widower or something. Because, like, you can't get divorced. Yeah. Because it's Catholic, right? Yeah, yeah. So, it's, like, one of those, it's like, if you're a widower or something like that, yeah. Okay, this is mm-hmm. similar. And a lot of times in Thailand, people will become monks. Um, if someone in their family dies, they'll temporarily become a monk. If you want to marry somebody, <laughs> you become a monk to show them that you're a serious person. They, they're always becoming monks for lots of reasons. We don't have that. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> uh, and in Thailand, they don't, it's Theravada Buddhism, so women can't be monks. They used to be. But just like in the Christian tradition and the other traditions, mm. it's sort of like, oh, well, we'll let women do this, but oh, having women is a too, too much of a temptation, so we're going to blame them and not let them be. Uh, it, did this happen after, like, the westernization? Like, did we do this to them? Or I'm not actually sure. I think it was themselves. a very long time ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was because I don't of the feel, West. I don't feel that. It was a Western, Western intervention. Because that, that, that's what happens half the time. Yes, that's true. That's the thing that happens. That's yeah. definitely, that's something, because I lived in Japan, too, and that's definitely something in, in, in Japan, there's a lot of, like, Western values you can kind of see. We we single-handedly brought, like, eating disorders to, like, South Korea. Have you heard about this? Or not South... um, I've heard that we did it to uh, Fiji, I think it was. Fiji. That's what it was. I was going to say, it was one of, like, the Peloponnesian. That's what I think. It might not have been... Peloponnesian, my gosh. Polynesian Polynesian. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those cultures. Because there are a lot of cultures they used to value, uh, you know... Being fat. Rubenesque. Yeah. Yeah. So, but now it's sort of like, well... Uh, yay Western! Yay Western culture! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yay! But it's hurt us too, so. Uh, <laughs> so it's okay. Yeah, right. yeah, it's fine. So you became friends with this monk. I became friends with this monk, and uh, we used to have all of these conversations, and we had conversations about um, the meaning of life. We had conversations about religion. We had conversations, of, and and mind you, this is all in Thai, and. I was fluent in Thai, but again, it's not my first language at all. Mm -hmm. So we were having these conversations, and I realized that in this moment that this is the sort of thing I wanted to do. I wanted to have conversations with people. I wanted to live the kind of lifestyle where you're able to just figure out what the meaning of life is and have great conversations with people. And that's what philosophy is mm-hmm. having these, this, it's the dialectic. It's the having the conversations with people who are different than you. It's what's why we're doing this podcast. We're two people who have really different views and we're sharing them with people and we want to hear what you guys think. And that's what I realized. I really wanted to go into philosophy. So it's um, a great conversation. It's the great conversation. And it's the, it's, 
in in the Buddhist tradition, you don't. I'm not a Buddhist, but I learned a lot about it. And it's this sort of idea that you're supposed to separate yourself from desires. And I don't think I don't know if I necessarily agree that your desires are all bad and you should get rid of them. But there's your a certain desires sense. are good because they cause suffering. Hooray! Let's find a tree. Back to our Harold and Maude conversation. Yes. <laughs> That's why you should listen to all of our podcasts because we just like we're we're totally self referential mm-hmm. all the time. But so that's what I decided. I realized that I really wanted to go into philosophy. And then wow, I was that's like, such like a profound, my gosh, you hung out with a Buddhist monk in Thailand. That's like so cool. <laughs> I am really cool. No, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that cool. I, I, I just, it's, it's, my it's funny year. though. I, I had a similar experience of, um, when I was doing debate, this isn't my story, so I'm not cheating by like saying it. Yeah. But when fine. I was, when I was doing, um, debate throughout undergrad, we would, it was it was the the debate professor was one of the philosophy professors yeah and at my college our um our philosophy department was like this little house yeah and on a lake basically yeah and we would just hang out there and like we do debate practice until like eleven o'clock at night you know because it was ridiculous and then like the other philosophy professors some of them would still be there and like we would just BS and talk about philosophy. All night long, like, just until, like, 1 a.m., like, just have these conversations and arguments with each other and everything by this beautiful lake in Florida. Like, it was, yeah. it was like, really, yeah. So, like, I think that's that's what a lot of us like about philosophy is just having those conversations into the night and all this stuff with each other constantly. So, you know. Yeah, and I, that's, that's, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a part of that. And then when I took a, a class in college called um, Philosophy Through Film. Now, wait, so did you do the Thai thing when you were 18? Or I did. You, oh, my gosh. 18. Oh, so this this was the year between high school and college. That's right. I took, okay. I lived in Thailand. That's years. right. So that whole experience made me realize that I want... a baby. Yeah, I was very young. I wanted to... And I, so I want to do some sort of applied philosophy. I want, to, I want to talk about it, and I want to have those conversations, and I want to apply it and use it to do something in the world. And I'm not sure what that is yet. I'm trying to figure it out. You can be a part of my existential crisis. Yay! Here on the, on the... You climb a trees. Go climb a tree! <laughs> I love climbing trees. I do love... That's what I should do. I, well, I've often said that if this whole, like, doesn't... Not getting, like, a tenured philosophy position or something like that doesn't work out for me or maybe going into the foreign services which is something else I've thought about, then I can always just go sit on a mountain and be a monk. And this monk has told me I went to... So after ten years, I went... Or it was after eight years at that point... Um, I went to go visit the monk again mm-hmm. and he told me, he said, you should really consider being a monk. <laughs> and he's like, well, you can't, and I was like, I thought women you can't believe, be. And you don't like, believe in God. Don't you have to believe in some degree of spirituality? Eh, yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, cause we were talking about it and I said, you know what? I, I, at that point I had already studied philosophy and I had, um, I told him that I was going to go to graduate school and he's like, oh yeah, you should consider being a monk. So I can always go sit on a mountaintop and you guys can come to me and ask for me for advice and I'll give you really vague, like, platitudes. Uh, you know what the sound of one hand clapping is? Uh, we did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> we, we both, we both took one hand and, and like, hit it against itself. Yeah. That's, 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 like, that's what I always think. Well, because, like, like, okay, if a tree falls in the wood and there's nobody around to hear it, does it make a sound? No, because sound is something that is produced in your brain. But it makes sound waves. Yeah, it makes sound waves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was like, this is the easy answer. This is an easy I'm answer. I'm so glad we both have the same answer to both of those. <laughs> like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? The egg. Because, because there were reptiles. Yes, yes. <laughs> There were other things. I, I literally wrote that. I'm like, for my students, 
like, assignments this week, because they were like, yeah, this really reminds, because they were doing, like, cosmology. Yeah. And, like, it was like, what, this really reminded me of, like, chicken and egg, and, like, which came first? And I literally wrote egg. <laughs> I'm like, yes. papers this week. I'm so glad we both have these. We, we know so, all the that's answers. That's so funny. Oh, well, my gosh. Because I we're brilliant philosophers who know all the answers <laughs> to everything and never really It's a sound wave, but not a yes, sound. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the sound of one hand clapping is a hand hitting against itself. And you can hear it. It makes yeah, it Yeah, listen. You do it better than me. <laughs> I'm just like, pum, 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 pum. I've got bigger hands than you. Yeah, that's probably. I way. do. I have like my brother. Trump my hands. brother can like literally like like clap. Okay, I can do hand. it better with my with my left hand. Oh, I can too. I anyway. wonder if it's picking up the sound. Yeah, I think you're gonna hear something. Are you like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It has to. It has to. <laughs> we solved all of the riddles of the universe for you. <laughs> okay, so um, I love that we had the same answers. So like three of those. That's yes. amazing. Yeah. We'll have to come up with other ones and like shout them at each other and see if we're the same. <laughs> I can't um, think of any at the time at the moment. Um, so, okay. So, so yeah, that's my story. And then I, I took a philosophy class with a professor I oh, really right. loved. Then and you took, so then, so then you ended up going to take philosophy classes when you were in, in college, college. and okay, I cool. loved it and it was amazing. And, um, one of the things that was the, so you, you were like, you were like ready to like be into philosophy, like going into college. Yeah. Were you like planning on being a philosophy major, like, or at least a minor or something? Like were, I was, you, were you kind of philosophy focused? I, so because I had spent a year abroad, I was like, well, I'll do international relations or philosophy. And I ended up doing both. Um, and I was That's like, what my debate partner did. That's really common. Yeah. Cause I wanted to get a job in international relations, but philosophy, I wanted to be a philosopher. Like I wanted mm. my being to be like a philosopher. Right. I wanted to be that and when it, and then I got a job after college and I decided like I really miss philosophy I really mm-hmm. miss doing philosophy I miss talking with people about this I yeah. need this in my life yeah. so that's why I applied for graduate school um because I'm just doing the masters and Arrow's doing the PhD program so I'm trying to figure out more what I want to do but Arrow's like you know knows. I've always know what I wanted to do yeah which I envy definitely yeah but then when you don't know what you want to do and you're the type of person who needs to know what you want to do then you go into like. 30 years of an existential crisis in, like, a week until you figure it out again. That's basically what I do before breakfast every morning is my existential <laughs> crisis, especially when I read the news these days. Uh, I'm just like, oh, my God, how am I going to make how am I gonna make this all better? What can I do to change the world? It's too much. It's too much. Okay, I'm like, okay, just start with something. You just take it a little bit at a time. You know, do your best. Well, I think it's funny that um, you had a similar that you said the applied thing that you wanted to do something like you wanted to figure out how you could do applied philosophy yeah because that 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 segues into my as i kick a trash can that segues <laughs> into like my origin story so are, i did that so, on purpose so is your yours is done my so origin story is done okay. i'm so, a superhero now so perfect so we've got like a good segue going because um well it all goes back to when i was five years old and i'm half joking but i'm also a little bit serious because when i was five years old my dad made a deal with me Uh and he said arrow i will pay for whatever college you need as long as you're a doctor i will pay for your school until you're done if you're a doctor and i said okay daddy i'm gonna be a doctor and he's like okay good and we shook on it (laughs) <laughs> and, and like, they weren't well off back then. And like, they, and so like, but like he meant that he was like, he was like, I will do whatever I need to do. I will like sell a ha- my house. Like if I need to pay for like your schooling bills, as long as you're a doctor. And so like, I was into like friends at corner and like all this various like Frankenstein monster craziness, like third through 11 like, third grade through, like, like sixth grade or so. Which is why when you're talking about, like, fingers and, like, cutting up stuff, I'm like, that's awesome. Because, like, <laughs> I was super into that as a kid. 
And that's what we're into here. Yeah. <laughs> I dissected a pregnant female shark. Oh. Yes. In sixth grade class, and I cut out its liver. I was very proud of myself. As you should be. Uh-oh, Mr. Max is coming in. Hey, baby. So, as my entire voice changes. Um, <laughs> like, who's she talking to? That's that's her, that's her, that's her father. <laughs> I, uh... I, I have no control over that. I, like, I know that it's, like, a dramatic difference, but I can't help it. I do that, too. I'm, like, when I talk to dogs, I'm, like, suddenly, like, oh, you're the most precious son of yeah. world to ever exist. You're precious <laughs> for this world. So, um, so then in sixth grade, I realized I could be a doctor without being a doctor. And I was really into astrophysics at that point. Which Very is, cool. Which is probably where I get a lot of my astronomy background from. Like, yeah. Like, it's probably why I know a lot of from, this stuff. From the last episode, Yeah. Yeah. And, um, like, I read, like, Brian Greene's Elegant Universe. I read, which is, like, a very stereotypical. Like, every every kid who's getting into astrophysics reads that because it's a really accessible. But also, like, smart. Like, it's not, like, basic crap. Yeah. yeah. So, um, read that. And I read uh, Alice in Quantum Land. That sounds so and cool. And The Wizard of Quarks. Which are both amazing. The Wizard of they're they're a little bit outdated at this point um, because yeah. you know quantum physics. Yeah. But seriously, I learned about like electron valences and like up and down electrons, like spin and all this stuff from that book. And it's really written as like a um, like as an Alice in Wonderland thing. Like it like it holds like the narrative. Like there's a girl and she goes into like quantum land and all this stuff. But also teaches it teaches you so much about quantum mechanics. Like it's really cool. That's so like Flatland. Yeah, it's very, yeah. And so I got way into it. I started out undergraduate as a classicist. That's why I do all the, the Play-Doh stuff and why I know Latin and everything. Yeah. And just uh, throw that out. It's just, I didn't know that. And, well, really I, I'm cool. sure we've mentioned it at some point. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm like, sure we definitely I'm have. sure it's come up. So, yeah. so like, that's where, like, the Play-Doh and the Latin and all the, the Roman knowledge and everything comes from. Yeah. Is I started as a classicist. And then I, uh, I never wanted to do philosophy. I, I really refused to do philosophy. <laughs> like, I really didn't want to. So, mind you, I was taking at least one philosophy course every semester. And either through the classics program or just because it was, like, the most interesting sounding course in, yeah. the, in, the depart- in like, the, the school. So, I kept, sci- I kept taking all these philosophy courses, but I wasn't a philosophy major. Then I tried to do psychology. And then the whole reason I didn't want to be a philosophy major, because, number one, oh my gosh, how pretentious. <laughs> Right? I'm going to give me a philosophy major. Number two, I wanted to do something. I wanted to do something. Yeah. I didn't want to sit around with my thumb up my butt and do, and, and talk about philosophy. And, like, it's just, like, basically, like, a masturbatory, like, career. Right? Yes. I wanted to affect change in the world. I wanted to accomplish something tangible. And I want, I wanted to produce I, I wanted to put something out there, That's right? That's how I feel too, yeah. Right. So, so see, it ties into your whole applied thing. Yeah. So, I was, re- so, I, I, you know, and so I was like, well, if I do psychology, I can become, like, a forensic profile, a forensic psychologist and work for the FBI and, like, stop bad guys, and that would be great. Yeah. And I can see you doing that. Yeah. And I can shoot guns, like, you know, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you know, serial killers are super interesting. Like, yeah, I was, I, I, I got all into that. I read like every book. I, I became an expert on the subject in about six months. Like, <laughs> you have a lot of expertise under your belt: Latin, uh, serial killers, classics, like astrophysics, astrophysics, obviously philosophy now. Yeah, I mean, but also 
like, I think that's almost integral to being a philosopher. That's true. I think a lot of philosophers are really good at other fields. And then they become a philosopher, right? Um, So, so I eventually, so then the story is that one day I was in debate. And I, so the debate coach was our logic professor. And the only reason I was in debate was because he, like, dared me to try out. Well, and kind of, like, demanded it. (laughs) <laughs> and because I was like, I was like the best student in his advanced logic class and I'm like just kicking all sorts of logic butt. And mind you, still wasn't a philosophy major, was just taking logic classes because for fun, seriously, like, I don't know what the heck I was thinking. <laughs> and and of course, like the three main philosophy professors, the three analytics in our department, like yeah. I, one of them was my advisor because he was the classics guy. Yeah. The other two, one was my debate coach. The other one was just like. Like, these were the guys I was around 24-7. Like, you're Trinity. Right. And, like, I think they were all just sitting there, like, waiting for me to be... Like, I was, like, already... I was a philosophy major since day one, and I just, like, was the last one to acknowledge it, basically. Yeah. And they... So, so the, the logic professor was the debate coach, and finally one day, I had gone through yet another one of my crises where I didn't know what I was going to be a major and what I was doing for my life. And this was, like end of junior year. <laughs> yeah. Like, this was pretty far along. And I and I said, if only there was, like, a philosophy of math or something. Yeah. And the debate coach looks at me, he's like, there is. There's a philosophy of everything. Yeah. Any field that exists, there's a philosophy of that field. That's true. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I look it up. And at this point, I started reading Gödel Escherbach which is an amazing book. I highly recommend it. And it's basically about um, paradoxes, logic paradoxes mixed in with uh, visual paradoxes mixed in with uh, fugues. I really like paradoxes. And it's super cool. So, and so Gertel Escherbach, I read that and basically it kind of was like the incentive, the the, like motivation for my uh, uh, thesis, for what became my philosophy thesis, my senior thesis. And also, the problem of induction and my grudge against Hume. So, but it's like every single course I was yeah, I can t- imagine you not liking Hume. Yeah, I hate Hume. Um, so, well, I just, I mean, number one, I do hate Hume. But number two, the problem of induction frustrates me immensely. And we can talk about that in a different episode. Okay. Um, like, because that's a whole episode in and of itself, is, is, is my problem with induction and my story behind, like, the problem of induction. Um, <laughs> Because that there was an inciting moment, like in a class about in the philosophy of science class where I read the Kepler biography, there was an okay. inciting moment that basically was like, "This is this is the problem I need to solve." Um, but so like there were like all these, you know, factors that were just kind of building to a crescendo, and so eventually, when I figured out I could do philosophy and math, and therefore feel like I was being productive doing philosophy, and I wasn't just like you know, masturbating myself, basically, like, intellectually, like, I felt like I could actually produce something for the world that might be, so, for instance, I was like, well, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll figure out a way to make kids learn math better. Yeah. And then if kids learn math better, they'll be more rational people, they'll be better at mathematics, that, you know, the world will be a better place if people were just better at math. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, which I still believe. Yeah, people were just a little bit more rational. Right, like, exactly. Definitely would make a difference. Now, of course, I did my I did my uh, master's thesis on this topic, and one of the number one things I learned doing my master's thesis was uh, you don't actually transfer skills cross context. So even if everybody was way better at math, that wouldn't make them more rational people. But oh well. <laughs> <laughs> 
least they'd be better at math. But at least you know that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I know that. So, um, so yeah, so I was like, okay, well, I can see myself doing something that at least is doing something, right? Yeah. So that's when I decided I literally walked into my my advisor's office, who had been my advisor the entire time from day one because he was the classics guy, and I just kept him as my advisor throughout. Like, even when I wasn't a classicist, I was just like, yeah, don't worry about it. Just keep being my advisor. <laughs> and so, and he was also a philosophy professor. And I walked in and threw my hands up in the air, and I'm like, I guess I'm a philosophy major now. And I think he actually was like, you weren't? <laughs> and then he started laughing, and he was like, thanks for the update. Yeah, we, we all know. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the most obvious. That, like, And so when I started telling people throughout my senior year, I would, like, run into people from, like, high school and stuff. Like, it started being, like, kind of like a year where, like, I was running into old acquaintances for whatever reason. Yeah. And every time I told them, like, oh, well, I'm doing, like, philosophy and math and science, they were like, yeah. No kidding. That's exactly what I would have expected you to do with your life. Like, yeah. how could you ever not have realized this? So everybody knew before you. So everyone, it was like it was like coming out as gay or something. It was, <laughs> it was like literally everybody in the universe knew coming that I was a philosopher. philosopher. Right. I, I, and then, of course, I had to go home and tell my... In the same way, I had to go home and tell my parents, like, guys, I'm going to be a philosopher. And then my mom cried and my dad swore and punched a wall. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, I mean, it was a similar sort of thing where, like, I had to, like, obviously not trivializing like the experience of people who actually do have to come out to their parents but it was like a similar thing where like I had to like admit to my parents yeah I'm gonna be a damn professor of philosophy oh what a shame to have that's in the family. what I'm gonna do with my life like so it was a very reluctant it felt determined like I felt like I had absolutely no choice but I also knew that this was the thing that I could do that I could do better than anything else that I could do, right? So, like, I could do... I, I have a disposition to be more of a philosophical person about astronomy or astrophysics. So look at it from that point of view than I do to actually do astrophysics like or astro. Right, yeah. exactly. Like, I can't do units of measurement. I literally... Oh, I messed this up in class this week. I was talking about a ball rolling down a hill and potential energy. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, imagine it's got... And I said 100 newtons. And they started laughing. And I was like, what is it? And they're like, joules. I'm like, all right, joules. Because I literally never use units. Like, yeah. this is, like, why I, like, fail. Like, all, I never fail the class. But if yeah. I were the sort of person to fail a class, this is why I got, like, an A- minus in my, like, physics class in high school. Because I just, I can't, I can't do units. Like, I just need it all abstracted. Which is exactly what I do. I do abstract math. I do, you know, I, I look at the systems of math. I don't look at the actual, like... Doing a vector. Right, exactly. So, it was, it felt very inevitable. It felt like, it felt right, at least. So there's that. Yeah. And also, I mean, there was a certain, there was a certain degree of certainty where, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm best at. This is where I can, like, do the most good for the world. Like, I know it. I know this is, this is what I'm good at. And, and when it comes to, like, teaching philosophy and, yeah. like, running a classroom and everything, like... Well, you have a I, fan club. I, I've got, I've got my, my girl... Did I tell you I got a flower? You didn't tell me you got a flower. I'll show you the flower. It's on my kitchen table. It was... I, I think it was one of the sororities, like, Alpha 
Omega. Oh, yeah, I got one of those too. Right, right. Oh, yeah, you had one. Well, one of my girls brought one in to me. Oh, that's so sweet. Mine was just a random sorority girl. Right. It was from someone who actually cares about you. Yeah. So, well, it was, she was like, oh, well, the stem was broken, so, like, here you go. And (laughs) it was like, it was just like they had, like, one left over, so, like, she brought it in for me. Oh, that's really sweet. So, yeah, it was really cute. And, um, yeah, so I've, I've got some great girls in that class. Like, I'm really, I'm really happy I've got so many, like, they're into it, you know. Yeah. So, so many like dedicated. Even a new generation of philosophers. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and we are pretty badass. I could say badass, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, we've said that every like we've been talking about like condoms and stuff. But yeah, so I mean, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I know. So, but at least I can do philosophy and math. At least philosophy yeah. and math exist, so I can use the. At excuse. least I don't have to be a stupid philosophy professor. Oh, what an embarrassment <laughs> to my family. I'm so I should be excommunicated. Well, my dad's my dad looks at me, he goes, You know, your brother, no matter what he does, will make more money than you. And I'm like, Yeah, Dad, I know. And he's like, Well, that means he wins. And I'm like, Great, Dad. Because that's the dad's like that's the quantifiable metric that you can use to determine who wins. Uh, not if you become a best-selling, uh, you know, philosophy. Like when you write your 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 philosophy books or my and, yeah. independent novels, yeah, which is also part of my stress this week is that I haven't worked enough on that. Yeah, I, I didn't can, want to bring that up because yeah. I didn't know if that was something public. So yeah, no, 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 because okay. I write sci-fi novels and okay. stuff in my spare time. They can know that. Yeah, no, okay. Nothing's published, so don't ask me. Oh, great listeners who clearly interact with us a lot. Yes. <laughs> Has anybody asked us a question on Twitter no. yet? I haven't seen anything. Okay. No. <laughs> you guys need to get on that. We are on top of things. We will answer your questions, whatever you want to know about, especially like, apparently we, we have like between us probably knowledge about everything in the universe and we have all the right answers for all of your paradoxes and all of that. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I was very proud of myself because I remembered that there was a cyclical theory of the cosmos, um, that goes on infinitely backwards. Oh, and, uh, that's cool. Well, yeah, because it's like a crunch expansion theory okay. that the Big Bang was caused, like, the reason that matter was there was from the crunch of a previous universe, and it, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that, that, I'm vindicated, because when I was a little kid, I thought that time was cyclical, and I kept asking my mother when my real birthday would come around again, like, the year I was actually born. Well, when I, was, like, I mean, that's not how it works. But... I know, but still. <laughs> but yeah, so, because I was trying to think of, like, an atheistic, because the question we've been debating in class all week is theistic versus atheistic uh, uh, cosmological histories, basically. Okay. Like, origins of the universe. So, like, there was the Big Bang is the atheistic point of view. Just yeah. just atheistic explanation. Not yeah. that you have to be an atheist to believe in the Big Bang, but just that it is an explanation minus a god doing something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, so, like, Big Bang and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And... So, but then you get like the infinite regress problem, which is like, well, what caused the big bang, right? Yeah. So we were debating all this sort of stuff during class this week, and I was like, yeah, well, we were talking about the infinite regress problem, and I, I was trying to think of a, for some reason, I couldn't remember if there was like an infinitely backwards where it's just like, yeah, it just does go on forever, like that's okay, modern cosmological story. And I was like, I couldn't think of one. And then, like, three quarters away through class, I'm like, the, the crunch expansion! Cyclical crunch expansion! Did you just shout that in class? I li- yeah, I, I literally, like, shouted it and, like, threw my was hands Dumbledore, up. Was Dumbledore, it was Dumbledore? No, he's out, like, all, no, oh, that's he's right. out all week. That's right, that's, that's why right. I've been teaching all yeah, week. Yeah, I was, I was just yeah. imagining him talking and you going, the crunch expansion! <laughs> no, like, I've been leading class all week. Oh, wait, so that yeah. makes more sense that you would just be able yeah. to scream that out. Yeah, and I was like, 
I got it. And then I'm like yelling at my kids for none of them bringing, because I've got like three or four physics students in there. So I'm like, why didn't you guys bring this up? And they're just staring blankly at me. So <laughs> They're undergraduate physics yeah. students. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. I did have, I did have one girl come up to me after class who wasn't previously in the fan club, but now I'm like adding her. Because oh man, we, you're becoming like a cult Because figure. we were talking about like in, infinities on um, Friday, because of course we were. And yeah, <laughs> all I ever want to talk about is infinities. Um, so we were talking about infinities and, uh, oh, the, the causal, oh, you weren't in modern last year or last semester, yes, were you? I was. Oh, you were. Yeah. Okay. So we were talking about Descartes causal I'm proof. I'm so glad that I'm so memorable. Descartes, <laughs> Descartes causal proof and the reality principle and how the infinity, all that stuff. Right? Yeah. 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 So we were talking about that. And if anyone's curious about that, tell me and we'll do an episode on it. It's great. So we were talking about that. And, um, so we started talking about cardinalities of infinities and all. And I was, yeah. and I was like trying to keep the conversation, like I was trying to respond to the kids like protests against the proof, right? They were trying to like deconstruct it. Yeah. But I was also trying to keep like the mathematical level like down because, yeah. you know, because I joked, I was like, I bet a bunch of you in here are like college algebra is all I need. And like, like half the class raised their hands. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. So, but I had a girl come up to me afterwards yeah. and was like, yeah, so I'm in like calc two right now. And, and yeah, we do all like limit definitions and there's this Cartesian, uh, uh, plane and all this stuff. And that's Descartes, isn't it? I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> he came up with this. Exactly. I'm so glad so, Descartes is relevant. So yeah. So she was like, really, she was just really excited to to see how it was interacting with her other classes and everything and I was very excited for her because I love that that is really exciting that is really exciting because okay so I told you I studied international relations and now mm-hmm. I'm taking a rights theory class mm-hmm. and whenever I'm like oh I know about this because this is something I studied in a different class or even in um right. in modern when we when we did John Locke mm-hmm. because John Locke comes up a lot in political of science course. so yeah I was like ah okay the only time I've done Locke is because of, of, of a poli sci course or yeah, yeah. philosophy um, political philosophy course. Yeah, previously yeah. I hadn't, but now, of course, with the modern course, I have. Right. I've, I've had the joy of reading law. So, yeah, it's always really great when you have something from one area going to another area, and that's what you were saying about right. philosophy. It's so great because everything can be the philosophy <laughs> of everything. Like, I took a philosophy of film class, and I was like, ah, okay, I've heard of this, and they talk about, uh, right. they talked about human rights and about racism and sexism because that comes up in film and that relates back to political science and it relates back to philosophy and everything is connected yes that's that's our message we are the world kind of hippie hippie dippy does that have to be my message your message can be uh math is great and you can use it all the time in lots of different fields including philosophy yay math (laughs) i thought you were gonna be like destroy the competition no make the most money (laughs) math no, why else would I, why would I say make the most money when I decided to become a philosophy professor? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that, so that's my story is it was reluctant, it was unwanted, but it happened. <laughs> I'm so sorry that you were forced into this field, Arrow. Uh, so, yeah, so that's, that's how I became a philosopher, but... I, uh, I, like, directly started reading, so, so the philosophers that I started reading, um, when I decided, when I gave into inevitability, were Gödel specifically, Russell, because I was very interested. Well, I came up with the positivist project before I realized there was a positivist project. It was one of those. Yeah. What if we did this? And my professors were like, "Yeah, that happened, buddy. They tried." So, because I was very interested in like solving induction, the problem of induction via reducing, um, like 
all empirical things down to logic, basically. And it's like, yeah, they tried that. It doesn't work. So that's the Positivist Project, and we could talk about that one episode. We haven't done episodes that really play to, like, my mathematical strength, so eventually we're going to have to do that. Oh, boy. But yeah. <laughs> um, well, we'll come up with a theme so that you won't have to do math stuff. Well, I can do math stuff, too. It can, it can be more like, you know, what was your thesis topic or something like that. We can do something we can, like we that. We can do math. I can math. Yeah. I can math. I like philosophy of science. So no, but, we, math, but, but math we, should science. Do, we should do an episode so that, like, it's not just for, like, math majors, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like so, so you'll we'll have something to appeal to the other, like the political guys for you and the math guys for me. I can talk about how the the cardinality of the power set of omega is equinumerous to the reals. Equinumerous. We were me and uh, me and so uh, oh, a professor we don't have a name for yet. We're talking about the guy I'm doing the dispositions DIS with. I think we should call him super sweet, lovely teacher. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so the guy I'm doing with my DIS with this semester is um, we were talking about non-denumerable infinities versus denumerable infinities and stuff in uh, our meeting this past Friday. Of course, because everything I do, I'm writing a paper right now on Aristotelian infinities. So all I want to do is talk about infinity all the time. <laughs> infinitely. So infinitely. With infinity, there's always room for more. <laughs> oh, I stole that from my classics professor this semester so (laughs) but it's my favorite thing ever all right wrap it up so next time are we going to do animal consciousness yeah we can do that right to really prepare i will really have i will actually have to look something up because goodness gracious i know what my position is i know descartes sort of held it and that's that's it that's all i've got well no i can talk about cephalopods for a while i can actually talk about this i can i can talk about i'm gonna have to do a lot of make sure i have the the science correct and everything because i don't want to have too many philosophical f-ups yeah exactly that's the thing i'm gonna have to like look up like mirror tests and stuff like that so because those are generally my arguments is mirror test stuff so feel free to come up with lots of arguments against the mirror test okay so as like a bar for consciousness because that's my entire argument (laughs) that's it (laughs) all right okay mr max someone's hungry someone wants me to stop recording that's i should stop doing that voice (laughs) i can't help it if I look at him, that voice happens. It comes out of me. Oh, all right. So, Mr. That Max, should just be your, your yes. You should just be here the whole time, and you should be like, "Oh yes, today we're going to talk about Descartes." Oh yes. Oh my we gosh, are. we could do a, an episode where we explain like philosophy to a dog. <laughs> that will be a great, like, absurdist piece of art. So, all right. So, Mr. Max is telling us it's time to sign off. So, this has been Arrow, and this is it has has also been Ace. And, and this, this is you can't you, you can't, can't be, be serious. We never came up with a sign off. No, I thought it was this has been you, you can't, can't be, be serious. serious. Okay, that's our sign off. Signing off. All right.